If you remember, I mentioned when I was reciting the episodes I don't remember, that this is one of the ones I did remember, mostly because of Garth and, you know, the whole, hey, we have yet another starship captain who just goes... Um, but I thought I would like this episode, and in truth, while it's enjoyable, it's not what I would call good. You know, it's it's got that, um... It's kind of got the Spock's brain thing going for it, honestly. You know, it's cheesy, but it's... It's not good. That's <laughs> why I just look at this like... Uh, this is, I believe, uh, is this our final one? Yes, I think this is the final one of the BBC skipped list, which include The Empath, Miri, and uh, Plato's Stepchildren, which I actually forgot to mention back then. Uh, this episode was written by Jerry Soule. You may remember him as the guy who did the Corbomite Maneuver and The Side of Paradise, as well as Lee Ehrman, who also put together the Man Trap premise all the way back in the day. This episode is pretty bland. I mean, it's got a couple of noteworthy things. In fact, this is our last appearance of an actual Orion for almost 30 years. The next time we'll see one is in Season 4 of Enterprise, which if my timeline is even remotely correct, we won't even reach until a ways after this. Like, we should be in Season 3 Enterprise right now. I'm not sure. I guess I can check the calendar rather than just assuming. See, I put the calendar down here because I usually don't need to refer to this while talking. Hang on, where are we at? Where are we at? There's Season 3. Look of an eye. Whom uh, gods are showing? Yeah we're, yeah, we're still in Season 3. There you go. We should be covering E squared tomorrow. So, that's... We're still not even at the point even jumping the 30-year gap at the point at which Orions will show up again. Yikes. That right there. We have a medicine that will cure mental illness. I'm not sure what to say about that. It, maybe it only applies in, like, the criminally insane, because that's what this place is. These are the people who are violently insane, as opposed to simply people who are, you know, or have other mental health issues. So, maybe? I don't know. Either way, we find out that Captain Garth had a mutiny, and that's why he's here. Now, I referenced this back in Tholian's Web, but I got to thinking, it's actually possible, because all the episodes before that that had a mutiny didn't really count, and Discovery didn't exist yet, so that leaves us, which I still haven't seen, but I know about the first episode, obviously, so, it's possible that Starfleet had a mutiny in between Tholian's Web and this episode of Garth. Which, if you're paying attention, would be two mutinies within this same period of time, because there was the one in Tholian's Web. Although that was induced, but still, not a great year for Starfleet. I like my acts are better, though. Better, though? I can talk. I like to think that they have had mutinies, and they have had captains go bad, and they've kind of hidden it, because... That way it won't damage the service. See, court-martial for my thoughts on that. Either way, we find out that Garth can undergo cellular metamorphosis. What? Like, <laughs> that's, that's... He just has the ability to shapeshift. Um, okay. Right. Uh, uh, wait, wait, I can explain this away. Section 31. It explains a lot, really. We also see that they fixed the Tellarite mask. It's much better in this episode than it was back in Journey to Babel. This episode... Uh, well, let me try to build up to this point. So we, Scotty comes in and he's like, Hey, and Scotty beat me up. Uh-huh. 
call sign, and the person's response is not the responding call sign. It's worth noting that Scotty repeats the call sign three times. At absolute most, he should repeat it once, as, as in say it twice, I should clarify there. So he says it three times. At absolute most, he should say it twice. When it comes to call, sign, countersign, that's actually really smart. In fact, I can think of, God, a dozen other situations where having a sign, countersign situation would have been invaluable in just TOS, never mind future track. Why isn't this standard procedure? I'm going to have to start doing this in my Star Trek games with Lower Reloaded. I'm not even joking. This is just smart business right here. Think about it. Think about how many times someone's mind-controlled or being held at gunpoint or there's a hostage situation like there is in this episode or there's someone who can shape-shift or there's someone who can take your form or whatever, right? Or God, like aliens. There's all sorts of excuses and reasons to have this kind of a thing just in case. I can see why they don't want to do it on every single beam down, even though they probably should. But at the same time... In this case, at least, it makes perfect sense. They're going to it down to an institute for the criminally insane. Of course they have a sign countersign. But Scotty is a moron, apparently, because he's like, Hey, countersign. Or sign. Sign. Captain, sign. Hello. And Scotty's like, I don't believe that, you know, that this is just stupid. And this begins the first of three scenes I like to call filling the clock out. Because there are three scenes where they cut back to the Enterprise and Scotty on the bridge, which are clearly there to pad out the runtime and to make the episode cheaper, because they're set on the bridge of the Enterprise with regulars. And every single one of them boils down to the same thing. Oh, I wish we could help them down there, but we can't without killing them. Aye, maybe we can't. Doodly, doodly, doodly. Oh, I wish we could help them down there. Ah, but we can't without killing them. I, I wish we could. And then the third time, they actually try, fail instantly, and then that's it for the future, for the, for the stuff on the, the bridge. You see why this is a skip episode for me? Now hang on, though, because there is kind of a caveat. So, our good, good friend, Garth, decides to take them in, and he has this huge tantrum. This is some good Shatner ham. I'll give you that. Because he's Shatner's the one playing Garth at this point in time. And he just freaks out. Ah! And has this huge tantrum. And then he just sulks. He just sulks. Uh, it's actually something very that I've seen many, many times. Because what happens is the kid, because he's portrayed as very childish, tries the quick, easy answer. I'm going to do this and it's going to work. And when it doesn't work, he throws a temper tantrum. Ah, I didn't get my way because my one stupid strategy didn't work. Yes, I've done that too. Especially when I'm in a particularly bad mood, I will sometimes run into that particular emotional wall, or hole if you prefer, when I'm streaming a game, for example. I, I will admit that. I'm not proud of it. I imagine most of you have done that too. It's not a good thing to be in, but the point is, it is a childish thing. And that it's called that because most kids tend to do that as a regular operation rather than, you know, the exception. So he has this quick, quick temper tantrum. He's like, okay. We're going to have a feast. And they, they drag him out for the, the food cubes, because of course it's food cubes. And this leads to something I need to mention. Steve Einhat, Einat, Einat, I don't know how to pronounce his name, plays Garth. Funny fact, the, that actor is actually younger than William Shatner. But Yvonne Craig plays uh, Marta. I don't think I actually wrote down her name, but her name was Marta. 
Yvonne Craig is Batgirl from the old TV show. The Batman parallels continue. But wait! I'm not done. This is a Batman episode. There is an old venerated person who used to be a respected member of society and was considered a tactical genius in his own day, but one day a horrible accident befell him and left him maimed and mutilated. But as a result of that accident, he has now gained something equivalent to very low-level superpowers and now pontificates around, gathering a crew of, of minions to his side and going forth proclaiming himself Lord and that he will conquer all before him. He's a Batman villain. I mean, I know this could apply to several things, but he is a Batman villain. <laughs> Look at the way he acts. Look at the way he functions. This is why I mentioned there's a caveat on this episode. I don't think this is a good episode. I think it's badly constructed and badly written. I think that most of the guest stars are not great. I think that the threat of the week is pretty low level. This is a threat episode, by the way. And I think that the, the climax is incredibly stupid. But I didn't mention Yvonne Craig there, because she's a weird bright spot. And no, I don't mean like that. Although apparently she was actually considered to play Vina all the way back in the cage, because she's a trained dancer. You can tell she's a trained dancer because she dances in this episode, and she's really good at it. Although I can't help but point out that two full scenes are dedicated to, Wow, check out this hottie! But I'm still going to give her credit as an actress. You know why? She does little things with her portrayal that well, makes her look like a Batman villain, which is ironic, of course. But no, she she does these little things, like with her head and how she just kind of jitters around a little bit, like she's almost a bird. And she keeps kind of twisting her body into weird shapes that aren't really normal to relax in. Like, I guess she's just kind of hanging. Obviously, you can't see me. I guess I could back up a little bit more, you know, she kinda, she'll kind of do this weird twisty thing and then kind of go over here and then kind of go down like this. And she just does these little twitches and details to her performance. It's all visual. It's all uh, body language, which makes sense for a professional dancer. But it's good. It actually is probably the one really good performance in this entire episode. So credit to her on that. It also makes her seem like the more interesting Batman villain, if I might be so bold. She even has her own shtick. She's effectively the Black Widow. Or the Praying Mantis. I, th I think I'd go with the Praying Mantis for her. Or something based on Mantis, you know? Why? Well, we don't see much of her insanity other than her insistence on writing things that, you know, she didn't write. Except for one interesting tidbit. You don't understand. I love him. He's my lover. I have to kill him. And she doesn't say it with any malice. No vitriol, no violence. Just, you don't understand. This is normal. And she says it beautifully. Forgive me for continuing to give her praise, but she really was the bright spot of the episode. And... Well, she does a better job of playing insane than Garth does. Uh, don't mistake me, he's clearly insane, but... The way she portrays herself is what I usually mentally think of when I think of insane. Someone for whom things are absolutely logical and reasonable from their perspective. If I can share a quote from a friend of mine, I wish I'd come up with this. Crazy is when you charge into battle against a, a, a superior force, you know, with the desperate feeling that you might be able to pull this out. Insane is when you put a cardboard box, smear some mayonnaise on the top, and carry it upstairs and put it in the corner. It makes perfect sense. 
Everything is super logical and reasonable in the mind of the insane. And she portrays that. She has that internal, pseudo-consistent logic going for her. Whereas Garth, well, he just bounces all over the place, doesn't he? We, he mentions the Battle of Axanar. I did a little looking into this. Apparently this is supposed to be uh, a ba one of the major battles of the Romulan War, to give a little bit of time frame for this. That doesn't seem to line up, though, from what I understand of the timeline, since that should have been two or three generations ago. So I'm not actually sure what that's supposed to be in canon. And since, from my knowledge, Discovery has now left this period of time, maybe the Pike stuff will cover it? I don't know. I, I mean, again, I haven't watched any of that, and I'm recording this back in 2020, so the Pike show is still something that's a theoretical, not a reality back now. Has it come out yet? I guess we'll find out. Anyways, <clears throat> the disadvantage of doing things this far in advance. There are many advantages, don't mistake me. I, I like doing this way in advance, because this way I don't have to worry or think about this for the next two years. <sighs> I got Shades of Crawl with this guy. Anybody else? If you don't remember him, uh, this is very minor spoilers for Star Trek Beyond in 3, 2, 1. Kron was the villain of Star Trek Beyond, played by Idris Elba. He was an ex-Mako, implied to actually be on the Enterprise during Season 3. That is to say, the NX-01 during Season 3. Uh, not ever stated outright, though. But he was a military man, a career military man who was a soldier, and then peace reigned. And he couldn't deal with that, and so he just kind of started continuing to push the ideology of being a soldier. And I get that vibe from Insane Garth, that that's kind of part of where he just sort of went with that. Unfortunately, I don't have much else to say about that ideology, especially in this episode, because they just don't do that much with it. It's made clear that he is just simply insane, and there's not really anything else going on there, so I don't have much to analyze. But I'm curious what you think of that possible connection. Especially given that Beyond was apparently inspired in many ways by, well, not by this episode, but by people who were Star Trek fans who wanted to write a good Star Trek movie. And so they came up with the ideas. Whether you think Beyond is a good movie or not is, of course, a matter of opinion, and I'm not here to comment on. So then he decides to torture him, and this is when I noticed that, hey, we once again have a hostage situation where they're trying to get on the Enterprise. Again. We have our second titillation scene. I already mentioned that. And then Kirk takes way too long to realize that Spock is Garth. Also, I hate to continue to complain about this otherwise unremarkable episode, but Scotty had people, a security team, in the transport room, ready to go for the moment that field went down. Because he figures there's either someone down there figure, you know, working on, on the other end of things, or he's ready just in case, right? So Kirk calls up. And they're like, hey, what's going on? And then the field goes down as Garth, as Spock, lowers it, right? Okay, cool, cool. Where's the security guards? Instead, what happens is almost three solid minutes pass as they're like, dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee-dee, and they very, 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 very slowly piece together that Spock is actually Garth, at which point he turns the force field back on, and no security guards. Okay. Okay, that, I guess that would have been too easy. All right, whatever. Garth then reveals that he can't actually remember the time before his accident, which is interesting in its own right and kind of absolves him of some of his guilt. You know, the whole, you, you are not yourself when you're insane thing. Then Kirk tries to reason with an insane person. You remember what I mentioned about the cardboard box and the mayonnaise? Yeah, have fun with that. 
Obviously, that does not work at all, which then leads to him real revealing that he has invented the super explosive, which I have too. Check it out. It's this super explosive. This could destroy the entire planet, right? Whoop, whoop. <laughs> let's, let's not drop that there. We could destroy the whole planet with this. I mean, that would just be terrible. The problem is the episode makes it clear that this is actually legit. Because he sends out Marta with one, because he's insane. And then he explodes it on her in order to spare her the suffocation, because he's insane. Batman villain, I'm just telling you, Batman villain. And they even notice the destruction up on the Enterprise. That's how big the explosion is from one crystal. Bullcrap. I buy a lot of nonsense from Threats of the Week when it comes to Star Trek, but the idea that random insane man managed to make a super explosive out of compounds he found on an insane asylum for him is something I just can't buy. I'm sorry. And I've played the Arkham games. You know? No. Oh my god, the more I talk about this, the more he's a Batman villain. The, it's just, it lights up so well, it's crazy. Uh, not insane, crazy. <clears throat> so the super explosion goes off, and then we have the other, their useless thing. And this then leads to the worst part of the episode. Spock shows up, having effortlessly escaped, and is like, oh, there's two Kirks. Okay. Well, he has... Gosh, every method of figuring out what to do about this situation. Before we continue, how would you do it? You're either Spock or you're writing the episode for Spock. He comes to the room, he sees two Kirks. What does he do? I I'm legitimately curious. I want you to tell me right now what you come up with, or have already thought of, if this is the kind of thing that's bothered you, like it has me. Like I said, I do remember this episode, and I remember this scene as just being aggravating. And it is, it's dumb. I'll give you a few seconds. Play with my super explosives here. If I let these slip, the whole world will be destroyed. Uh, but I wouldn't want that, of course. We haven't had the party yet. Oh, that would be terrible, yes, yes. <laughs> okay, that's enough time. I am curious of your guys' responses. Here's my automatic response. Stun them both. I know that's not good television, but it's the quickest, easiest, stupidest possible answer. Simplest, excuse me, not stupidest possible answer. We've already established Garth cannot maintain form when he's stunned, so stun his ass. And then the one that's Garth will reveal himself, and then you'll just have to wait for Kirk to get up and put Garth back in chains, and you're good. How about you're Spock, and you can tell who Kirk is, because you're Spock. In this episode, in one of the other redeeming traits of this episode, Kirk flat out calls Spock his brother. And Spock reciprocates that. To be, to be completely blunt, that's awesome. And very, very appropriate. These men are brothers in the truest, connectediest kind of ways they can be. This is something that is absolutely reinforced throughout most of this show. Amok Time is probably my favorite example. But also in basically every single one of the movies. The entire plot of Star Trek III was Kirk trying to get his brother back. Much of Star Trek IV is spent trying to finish getting him back. Star Trek VI is the two brothers disagreeing on something and coming to reconciliation by the end of the... I mean, come on! So that's awesome. And you're telling me that Spock can't tell which one's which. Just from speech patterns. Just from 
physical body language. You're telling me he can't tell. Sure. Here's something funny. So what happens is Spock's like, okay, well, I'm just going to wait it out and wait for you two to wear out, and then he gets attacked, and then the two Kirks attack each other. And what ensues is one of the worst fights in Season 3, possibly in the whole show. Remember, I've been kind of paying attention and judging them as we go. This is a really boring fight. Not a lot of movement, not a lot of camera angles, not a lot of interesting moves or attacks. There's no cool choreography. It's just two guys basically grappling over and over. And I understand why, don't mistake me. See, the reason why is because of the fact that one of them is a stunt double for you know, William Shatner. You'll notice, i got to take my glasses off for this, at several points, Shatner is doing this to his stunt double so that you can't really tell it's a stunt double and you might think it's Shatner, right? Now, so you're probably thinking, Laura, you're being too harsh on him. It's too difficult of a fight to do with the stunt double. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't have done it. This was a change. Nimoy, check this out, I didn't know this. Nimoy complained about this to high heaven and said, this is stupid. This is stupid on everything. He had all the exact same complaints I did. But the director, who I have not mentioned, because uh, it's Herb, Herb Wallstein or whatever, uh, he's... He insisted that this episode needed more action. So he decided to have a fist fight right at the end with a, a stunt double and someone who this stunt double is supposed to be, which is why the, the action is so terrible and boring and dumb. Then they win. They administer the cure. Garth is cured. Yay! And uh, we have a wah-wah, and the episode ends. Yeah, I'm okay with skipping this one. There are some light moments. Like I said, it reminds me of the Royale over on TNG. I know I've referenced that one before. It's not what I would call a good episode, but there's enough fun involved there that I'm willing to kind of let it slide. But I am probably going to still go ahead and put this on the skip list because I don't really see the need to see it again. My personal opinion. Curious as ever of your thoughts. I'll see you next time. Chikru.